0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Harmful Habits Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Amin, and today we discuss the car of experience. This activity helps us demonstrate how we often allow our emotions to dictate our actions and the problems that this may cause. Tune in and join us for this exercise, and please feel free to reach out on social media at 3treeschange or our website 3treescenterforchange.com to let us know about your own experiences with this exercise. Now, as always, and without further ado, Elevation Beats.
1: So on last week's episode, we talked about how much emotions mess up debates. So on today's episode, we're thinking of working through a model for managing emotions. But before we go into that, one of the things I would like to challenge a little bit. Amini, mean, are you ready for this?
0: Yes, uh, I have the clip ready.
1: Okay. So Jennifer, in a very condescending tone in the last episode, said beans are not a fruit they're a legume and she, I, th- I think she said it twice do you have the clip of me? yeah
2: I, I know i said it you don't have to
1: no 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 did you really pull up a clip? Uh, our viewers need this listeners mm. they may not have heard the last episode it's a factory there so because heinz is like the musical fruit do you think the town is very flatulent
0: Oh my God. You said fruit? It took such a it's long a time leg- for me to yeah, There's
1: what are you the first about? condescending comment.
2: You know, baked yeah. beans make you. It- it's a legume, it's not a fruit. Yeah, Fine.
1: Okay, <laughs> so. Uh, thank you, Amin, for the proof.
2: I will admit if I'm wrong if presented with facts.
1: So, do you know that legumes are considered fruits? Dun dun
2: dun. But look, I learned something new.
1: You don't look very happy about this learning I really opportunity. I don't care. Like. <laughs> Secondly, Jamisa, during the episode, two or three times, you said... Really, so
3: you're going back to episodes to pull out. Yes. Pulling recordings of us.
1: We have statistics. 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 And it's just Mm. of the
2: women. Exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah, because the men went wrong. So, Jamisa, (laughs) several times you said that I interrupted you as though that was a pattern, but we went back and counted who interrupts who more.
0: During our live editing session... And Jamisa interrupted Ben nine times, while Ben interrupted four. Wow.
3: You're so small.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you'd like
1: to say, Jamisa, about interrupting me? Amin, can you help us? N- nothing you'd like to address?
2: But maybe she has to interrupt this. you because you don't give her space to
0: talk.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's a good justification. Um, but this is kind of proves all our point about how things feel emotionally versus factually. And then when you present people with the facts, they don't like it. I don't see either of you changing your mind.
3: No, I was going to say, I'm I'm wondering if you want me to change the behavior.
1: Yeah, first of all, not interrupting quite so much. And secondly, maybe when you say Ben, you're interrupting me, maybe don't make it sound like it's a pattern.
3: Yeah, I'll consider
2: it. I this mean, might I, be just between you and Amin today. Yeah. I mean, kind of I right?
1: noticed you and I are enjoying this episode so far a mm-hmm. lot
0: more. For sure. <laughs> I thought it was funny.
1: <laughs> All right. I mean, is anyone listening to us from somewhere in the country?
0: Yes. Uh, let me pull up my handy-dandy notebook.
1: I think people are a bit tired
0: of your phone today. No, they're not. Hopefully not. <laughs> I hope are There not. may be two people
2: at this yeah. table. <laughs>
0: So today, we have a listener that we're going to visit in Palmyria, Virginia, which was founded in 1828, and by 1835, in a great seven-year span, there were 14 homes, a church, three factories, and various other businesses, though only two families owned all the land other than the public buildings, which is interesting. I want to meet one of those families. Maybe I... This is an (laughs) 18-something, of me. Yeah, maybe I don't... Uh, (laughs) 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 Anyways. <laughs> 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 maybe they might not that. welcome you with open arms. <laughs> uh, maybe I romanticized that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now, in 2022, due to rapid growth in the area and an influx of people moving to Palmyra, there are now 95 residents. It's wow. booming.
1: Uh, isn't that the definition of a boom town? Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Where is it located in Virginia? Anybody know?
0: I, I do know. not know.
2: That would be helpful, don't you think? To, like, understand To the help area. the
1: person who listens know where they are? <laughs>
3: <laughs> like if they're trying to get out of Palmeria. Maybe when they go visit Pomeria. <laughs> is it Pomeria or Palmyra? You know what's funny? If we do visit,
0: I don't know, uh, but if we do visit, <laughs> there's a high likelihood that we run into our listener there. <laughs> <laughs> like a 1 in 95 chance? Yeah. <laughs> And if any of them are babies, that Im- immediately eliminates them. And so it might be less. Why does it eliminate the babies? the baby's not going to listen to our podcast. You think adults would? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> might be a greater chance of it being someone who inadvertently <laughs> pressed the play
0: button. Yeah, but uh, as unlikely as it may sound, they do have some notable people that came out of it. Like Chris Daughtry, I believe his name is pronounced, which is a musician who was on American Idol. And he graduated from Fluvana County High School in 1998. His parents still live there. So if you want to meet this guy's parents... <laughs> they're going to hate you. I mean, <laughs> like we kept it a secret all these years.
1: <laughs> now they got people knocking on their door.
0: And They also have Texas Jack... I'm going to butcher this last name. a uh, Frontier scout, actor, and cowboy. Born on the Pleasure Hill Farm <laughs> in Palmyria.
1: So... I guess the question is, why is he called Texas Jack? If he's born in Virginia, but. I'm
0: wondering why it's called Pleasure Hill Farm, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. All right, for the one person who's still listening, should we continue? Yeah, of course. All right, so car of experience today. Oh, Jimmy said, Jennifer, you're having a good week.
3: Yeah, it's been a pretty good week.
1: Anything notable happen?
3: No, other than it was just a really nice windy evening last night. It was a nice mm. windy evening.
0: Trees were rustling.
3: Mm. Puppies nice were it, peeing. The, the huh? what?
0: Our puppy was scared. Oh. <laughs> she peed everywhere.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because of the wind?
0: hmm oh. And she pees? Yeah, when she's was really she scared.
1: Mm-hmm. She's a dog, though, isn't she? Not a puppy?
0: Yeah, but she's a tiny dog. So. so you reduce her age? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to understand that she's four years old. Yeah.
3: yeah, Our dog was barking at the wind. I don't know if you heard him. Last but yeah, I was like, "What are you doing? Are you just standing there barking?" Jennifer, good week.
2: Um, I wouldn't say that, but um, from our previous guest that was on um, about grief and. The things that are helpful and things that might be harmful, I think that I was able to apply some of those with some of my experiences this week. And it's been interesting to navigate um, death and loss and grief over the course of the week and definitely align with a lot of what she said was helpful Um, and then some of those things that might not be as helpful to family.
1: Did you recommend that grief podcast to a few people as they <laughs> kind of clumsily I managed have. your grief? Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> but I think that that is so important because you have to be prepared for that or at least process that. So if you're not curious in life and learning things because you think, well, that'll never apply, um, and then it hits you out of the blue, and I don't know. I don't want to be the one person saying something stupid to somebody who has just lost someone.
1: Oh, once so, you get used to it, it's not a problem at all. Yeah, you just need more practice. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you find that our culture in general is just super awkward around death and has no like comfort?
2: They're either super awkward or they're so confident, but they don't realize that they're not being helpful. And so, <laughs> the skill level doesn't match yeah, the confidence. Yeah. So that's really interesting, and I think it's also really interesting when people put their belief systems on you mm-hmm. and expect you to respond to that in a way that may not be what I believe. Um, And I think especially where we are, and I think this can be geographical areas where there's high rates of a certain religion that's predominant, um, that that's just really interesting to me that people automatically assume, well, mine must be yours and you should have the same feelings.
1: So the car of experience, can you all think of a difficult emotion that you often struggle with? And take some time. I mean, we might add some music at this point. Um, so for me, probably anxiety has been the most challenging emotion during my life. The most dominant one. I mean, what about for
0: you? Yeah, I was going to say anxiety, uh, stress. I don't know if stress is an emotion necessarily, but nervousness. Okay. Damn it, I was going to say
3: the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's my anxiety. It's a driving force in my life. Mm
1: -hmm. Come on, Jennifer. Bring it home.
3: You want me to say anxiety?
1: I was going to try and guess yours.
2: Okay. I bet you can guess mine. Shame. Yep. That is like my go-to. Jimmy, so what do you see in your practice? Because I feel like you have like... (laughs) No, I mean, you're like the professional here at the table. Um, (laughs) Like, what are people's
3: go-to emotions? Oftentimes, it is anxiety um anxiety i i get a lot of shame but it's with women Mm -hmm. um more so than anything and i want well teenagers teenage girls um and women is a lot of shame Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of self-doubt yeah anxiety is primary it's a primary thing these days um well you know what i uh, I would say over the last few years um, with teenagers, it was anxiety. But this year in particular, and I was talking about this this morning, um, it has been in depression hmm. with a lot of the teenagers that I work with, like mo- majority of them. Um, this year have just really, really struggled with depression. Hmm. So I'm not I'm not exactly sure what why that's the case. Yeah. Mm mm-hmm. And it seems to be a factor in um, decisions that they're making when it comes to their education currently or even having to make decisions about what they're going to do once they complete high school. Um, that seems to be the forefront of how they are making their decisions.
1: Do you use the kind experience with them?
3: I do with some, with some of my clients, um, especially for those that are engaging in some risky behavior. We spend a lot of time talking about that. And then when I talk about um, cognitive behavior therapy, um, when I'm beginning to see clients, um, I spend some time talking about the car.
1: I've heard the most popular form of cognitive behavioral therapy is cognitive behavioral inquiry. Have you recognized that within your practice?
3: I may have used it here and there, but I don't want to give you like, we're not going to give <laughs> any kudos <credits> today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the car experience. So think about a car. i make the sound effect. Vroom, vroom. To help you imagine it, everyone have a car pictured in their head.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Four wheels, two wheels on the front, two wheels on the back, um, and the steering wheel. <laughs> steering wheel <laughs> typically controls which two wheels? The front. Typically, yep. There's always whenever we do this in class. If you notice I the mean, there's always some guys like my car steers through the back wheels. Mm-hmm. The rear wheel drive. Not rear-wheel drive. (laughs) Rear-wheel steering. Sorry. But typically, yeah, the car would use the front wheels to steer. Now, each of the tires represents one part of an experience. Hence, it's called the car experience. So, one of the wheels on the back is emotions. One of the wheels on the other back would be biophysical. Um, Might be helpful for us to put a drawing of this somewhere. Not on the board, I mean, because there's no video. (laughs) (laughs) And then the front two wheels are your thoughts and actions. So maybe it's easy to remember that way. Front two wheels, thoughts and actions, back two wheel, biophysical response and emotions. So, Jemisa, you asked me, what does anxiety feel like in the body? And that would typically be the biophysical emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what creates the feelings that let us know. Um, So you asked about anxiety, and I can't tap into that quite so easily unless I'm actually feeling it. Um. Just because that's how my brain works, and but I do know, like, if I get nervous, I get butterflies. For example, I mean, if you're excited,
0: what does your body feel? Good question. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and I do similar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess energetic
1: if I'm excitement, but that's not really a body. Think sensation. of another emotion. Angry. I
0: I feel physically hot. I think. So your body temperature rises? Mm -hmm. Do you feel your muscles tense? My shoulders definitely tense up and I have to remind myself to bring them back down. Do you
1: fist ball? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you get ready to give hands?
0: (laughs) I think it's throw hands. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I give them.
3: Mm.
0: (laughs) Completely different meaning.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. So do you get ready to throw hands? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. and jennifer what does happiness feel like for, for you or would you like me to pick a I different mean, emotion
2: i don't know I, there's a sense of calm peace i don't know
1: use physical words
2: that's tough i mean
1: happiness is a tough one
2: i don't know if there's I, I don't know if there's a physical part of it maybe i'm not
3: tense
1: there's a lack of tension.
3: Lack of tension. Yeah.
1: Jamie um, you say any thoughts on having? I was
3: thinking. I felt light. Felt energetic. Right. Spacious. Mm-hmm.
1: Would you agree with that one, Jennifer?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm trying to think.
2: Connected. I think.
1: Um, it's not really a physical sensation, is it?
2: I don't know. And spacious is. Yes. <laughs> I feel like those are similar. Whatever.
1: Happiness feels like a hug. Hmm.
2: But I think there's a lot of us that don't want to be hugged.
1: Yeah, you and I. Okay.
3: But happiness feels like
1: a
2: hug? For yeah. some people, like...
1: Because I do like hugs from, like, family members. hmm Just not from people who aren't family. <laughs> okay. And so, like, I th- whenever I think of happiness, I think of, like, all of... I think of our son or our daughter hugging us.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you know how our son will like pat your back when he hugs you? Yes. I think of that. And that's mm-hmm. a physical feeling. So if I feel happy at other times and I think about happiness I feel that feeling.
3: Hmm.
1: You're looking at me quizzically, Jennifer?
2: I'm just um, I'm curious. I think it's really interesting to have those conversations and understand what an emotion might feel like to someone versus someone else.
1: What does sadness feel like
0: for people? Emptiness. Like a physically hollow? Mm-hmm. Like I feel slow. Uh, can't think straight. But not... not th- can't think straight like racing thoughts. It's like the opposite. It's like lack of thoughts.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Were you reflecting back on when Game of Thrones ended? I don't like Game of Thrones. I just watched it because everyone did. Mm. I was... Thinking about when uh, Algeria failed to qualify for the, <laughs> the World, World Cup.
1: It's a go-to. I was thinking about any time England ends up in a penalty shootout. <laughs> what about for the two of you?
3: I feel heavy. Like I feel like there is like a weighted blanket on me, and I feel sadness. Mm. I agree. Mm.
1: So you know how people like think in different ways. I think people feel this stuff in different ways.
3: Absolutely. I've never had in my practice when I ask people about their emotions um, or whatever they're coming to see me and we talk about the emotions behind it. Um, and I'll ask them that. And I've always gotten different responses from people or like you, they, do, they don't know what it feels like uh, because they're not in the moment with that particular emotion.
1: Yeah. And so I can only really dictate emotions when I'm feeling them directly. Mm-hmm. So Jennifer and Jamisa, we started the show off intentionally in some ways to create some emotion with the two of you. What emotion do you think you were feeling when we were challenging comments you made in the last episode?
3: I don't know if I was annoyed. Maybe I was getting close to it. It defensive. Mm.
1: What does defensive feel like?
2: I think I start to tense up. Mm-hmm. start to
3: what would you say throw hands like yeah. get ready to throw hands
1: Jamisa what does it feel like in your body do you feel it in your
3: chest um, I feel it in my shoulders okay. and um, similar in that way just really defensive like anything you say I'm ready to like give a rebuttal mm-hmm.
1: and why do you think that emotion gets created
3: I think we start to have these um,
1: just individually for you.
3: I think I start to have this dialogue, like I'm being challenged and I need to like defend myself.
1: Right. Jennifer, so, same. Sorry.
3: Don't say that. Um, and I think when you and I talk like you I need time to process and you like to like you'll ask several questions. And then I start to feel myself tense up because I don't have to the process, so I feel defensive. And like, I need to like immediately just defend anything that, that you say. So I think it's the last opportunity to give like a meaningful explanation at times.
1: And so we're moving into thoughts a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And Jennifer, what's the feeling for you? You said you felt guarded. Or you didn't say guarded. Defensive. Defensive. Did you feel annoyed?
2: Yeah, but that's kind of a regular reaction. So.
1: You mean to you and I talking or yes. you interacting with yes. life?
2: <laughs> Probably that, both. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's that idea that I have a belief about something and it's being challenged and I'm not quite sure if I was right about it, but i got to one way. Oh, have you looked it way. up? Mm-hmm. I think that there's some information on the Internet that may be contrary to what you presented. But I would like to write a...
1: Scientifically, from the botany community, it's considered a
2: fruit. Okay, I would like to write a three-point paper. Right, and, and, present, th- it and present it next week. And present it next week, because I'm you sure... You won't be here next week. That's true. Hmm.
1: Maybe anyway, the following week.
2: super defensive, um, tense, uh, maybe starting to get a little hot or uncomfortable, um, my mind's kind of racing because I'm going back and thinking, did I say that? And
1: oh, yeah, we had the date. Yeah, Would you did. like to hear it again? Yeah, no,
2: I got it. Okay. Are you trying to get me <laughs> reactive again? I got it.
1: Okay. What are you feeling now?
2: Um, it's a little warm. Irritated? Yes.
1: Okay. What does the irritation feel like?
2: I think these are always hard questions. I don't think that, at least I was not taught in growing up to feel my emotions um, and what they felt like. Because then maybe that would have been helpful I could have addressed them better if I could understand what they felt like. So
1: I think two things happens when you're able to label and identify physically what you're feeling. I think the feeling itself starts to dissipate. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And you're right, we're often not talked how to identify emotions um, and talk about them. Now, it's interesting, right, because we're not going to get into, like, autism or anything like that. But for the family member in our family, um, who would be, and they were atypical, at least one of us, <laughs> um, they do an amazing job of verbalizing their feelings.
3: Yeah. I think there's been a lot of conversation about that. Like teaching, you know, what are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, and so helping that person just label what those things are. Otherwise, it wouldn't. I don't think it would happen. It'd be similar to all of us.
1: But I think it comes naturally, too, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's quick to identify the physical sensations that go with it. And mm-hmm. I think you're right, Jennifer. I think the rest of us kind of, we we guess our emotions almost.
2: Well, and I think as... Parents were so quick to label it for them, mm-hmm. um, especially younger children, of like, oh, you're angry. Well, maybe they're not. Maybe they're super anxious. But if we continue to label it for them, it doesn't ha- allow them to explore it.
1: Can you experience more than one emotion at once?
2: I guess. I don't know. Absolutely, right? I think so.
1: Think about roller coaster like excitement and fear. Mm-hmm. love and adoration, Jimmy. So, if you're looking at me.
3: Love not. and annoyance.
1: But that's kind of true, right? Like you're both annoyed with me at the start of the episode.
3: Mm-hmm. And you're probably... Um, and I wouldn't, maybe not annoyed. Just, I don't even know how, how I would label that. Every day. <laughs> uh, maybe just love and a lot. I don't know, like.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you connect to that, Jennifer?
2: No. I think... I was mad because I was blindsided. I felt like <laughs> somebody could have maybe given me a heads up so I could no, defend it wouldn't have that. No,
1: mm. it wouldn't have been as real. It wouldn't have been as in maybe. the moment. Maybe.
0: Yeah. I so, could see us triggering the F3. Uh, yes.
2: Just
0: mm-hmm. bringing you up out of nowhere. It's like, this is what you guys did last time. So uh-huh. No you, idea. You were
1: using your eyes to give me what people call a dirty look, right? Yes. And what do you think the intent of that is?
2: Um, to communicate my feelings.
1: Okay. And why do we not use words, do you think?
2: I think body language can be stronger than words sometimes. If you're what? Neurotypical.
1: And we're not getting into that too much on this episode, but I think it really is good. Um, I was in a meeting with someone this morning, and they were talking about how they use body language with another coworker to help them understand what they're feeling. The other coworker does not pick up on it. And I said, use your words. Like, I can't use my words. That's rude. Mm. I'm like, no, using body language is rude because they <laughs> they don't understand mm. body language. And I'm not as aware of it either. I miss a lot of those signals. But if you said to me, hey, Ben, you've hurt my feelings, that would be really powerful.
3: Yeah. But I think um, not only with um, neurotypical, but also just... Culturally, like just people will take things different ways So what I perceive mm-hmm. to be if someone's folding their arms or they, or they have an attitude, but I may not take it as that mm-hmm. um, or just not being able to give eye contact. Some mm-hmm. people aren't able to do that. Um, and I don't want to get into that with like clinical cl- clinical things with young kids. But like sometimes people and I'll, uh, but I will have parents like, give the, you know, you need to make certain you look at her and it's like, no, because that makes some kids un- uncomfortable mm-hmm. and they just don't give eye contact.
1: And then we get into like it's a sign of respect mm-hmm. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, and it's interesting too. Like hanging out with your family, the volume level is really high, and like so, the arm waving and gesturing.
3: Mm-hmm. And so, what you may that may be perceived as someone is getting frustrated, they're getting um, angry. In fact, you know, you walk in and someone's like yelling about something, and you're like, oh my gosh, something's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And they're just, la- you know, just really having a good time.
1: Mm-hmm. It took me a while to adjust to that because, like, when we hang out with my family, everyone's sitting calmly in a chair.
3: You know, someone in my house would be like, oh my God, mm-hmm. and they, they're just, they are really having a good time. And you're going to be like, what the hell's going on in here?
1: Back two wheels, emotions about a physical response. And it can be really important just to know what those back two wheels are telling you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, then they just stay in the unconscious and they drive your behavior. So, Jennifer, this would never happen with you. right? But let's say you were irritated and annoyed by me. And then throughout the rest of the day, you try to quote unquote, pay me back for it. Because the emotion never really rises to the attention where you can address it meaningfully.
2: So when you say pay you back, like not talk to you, give you dirty looks, mm-hmm. move around you.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Or even like, be like, Jimmy, so your husband so much. Like talking about me to other people. Mm. Just all that kind of power and control ladder type stuff. But if the emotion comes to your awareness and you're like, this is what I'm feeling, then you have an opportunity to do something about it. But a lot of people drive with just those back two wheels their emotions and their biophysical response tell their thoughts and actions what to do. But you can't steer those back two wheels, so you can't control the direction of it. So let's say, Jennifer, you spent the rest of the day being passive aggressive with me. Or as we call it around here, Friday. (laughs) So that was very passive aggressive on my part, (laughs) wasn't it? I wonder
2: where we get this from.
1: (laughs) I know. Um, How would you feel when you were going home that night?
2: It depends on probably how you reacted
1: okay, let's say I start being passive-aggressive back.
2: I don't think I'd feel great about my day and like going into my weekend.
1: And then it increases the chances of you then taking that annoyance into your home Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and kind of sharing it, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which will then get met with more annoyance by people thinking they're going to have a nice weekend and now mom's coming home sharing her annoyance. And so I think the point of this is just realizing how when we don't identify emotions, when we don't care for them, how quickly they turn into problems. And so the front two wheels are thoughts and actions, and those are something we can do something about. And mm-hmm. if we change our thoughts and actions, we can go a different direction. So what are coping skills you will use? Like, what, what are actions? You're good at this, Jimmy. So, like, when you get annoyed with me, you'll think about the positive side of being married to me. Or well, no?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. What do you it. do when you're annoyed with him? When I'm annoyed with you, mm-hmm. I... Um, I think I'll just process it in my head about like what it is, what, what is that? what the annoyance is, but I will actually have to go through like, this is the reason why I'm annoyed. And then once I do that, I'll, and I will catch myself knowing that I'm trying to justify why I should continue to be mad versus just knowing at some point I just need to let it go. So I'll go through like, you know, this happened. I don't like this. I don't like that. And once I'm able to actually label what it is that I'm feeling, why oftentimes I can't calm down. Um, and I will, you know, just be like okay, well, you know, we'll do. I'll do this differently, um, or maybe this will be different the next day.
1: Because we got like super annoyed with each other last night, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so the coping skill I used was just shutting down and leaving, mm-hmm. not leaving the house. That sounded super dramatic, mm-hmm. um, but just leaving, um, being on the back porch, and just going inside.
3: Yeah. And so I, after that, I went in my head about like these are the following things that were incredibly annoying for me. Um,
1: you were annoyed with yourself, too?
3: No, I was annoyed with you. Oh. <laughs> and, um, but I, I processed it. Is my, that a risk of us it.
1: bringing back the
3: annoyance you think? No, it's not. It's over. <laughs> and, um, and I thought about, like, what you said about why you were annoyed. And then I justified <laughs> my behavior. And then I just realized it wasn't. And then I started talking to myself, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, we'll get through it. We always get through it. And so far. And we'll move on. And I thought, like, there's no reason for me to wake up in the morning and be upset about something that I even labeled last night as being small. So.
1: And it's not small, by the way.
3: <laughs> it is incredibly minute, but. What are we talking about?
1: <laughs> 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 Thank you. I mean.
3: But you're right. It's one of the things with... Like Michael Rubio,
1: there's no problems in that department. Thank you. I
3: spend a lot of time talking with clients about, like, we have no control about over, you know, one, all of our emotions are, we're just going to have them. We're going to experience them. And so there's nothing we can do about that. There's nothing we can do about how our bodies respond to our emotions. Like, it's just going to happen. I can't stop myself from, you know, my body feeling how it feels when I experience anxiety, But then it's just like, what do we do with those front two tires, right? And that's what we have to spend so much time working on. But I don't know if there had... You talked about like a... you this, But we had to spend time changing.
1: Turning the steering wheel, moving them in the direction you want things to go. Mm -hmm. So like last night, um, when you were being incredibly petty, and I was being the bigger person in the argument...
3: No one believes that, but go ahead.
1: I decided like, I don't want the evening to go this way. And Mm -hmm. so in my head, the action... I wanted to, like, I, I knew, I said, if I stay here, then I'm going to steer in this direction and you and I are going to just feud all night. hmm If I turn left and go into the house and just go upstairs for a while, then the emotion will calm down.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when I'm upstairs, thinking about, um, like How you said. How much do you care about me? It didn't quite come up. Normally that, that takes a couple of days to reemerge. Um, but no, thinking about, like you said, putting it in the context. Mm-hmm. And so you and I do this differently. I focus on my body. And so I look at my heart beating and I look at my lungs moving and I imagine the little bacteria crawling around my intestines and that just slows me down. And I look at how all these things are going to continue after I die. And I really enjoy that process.
3: And I was going to say is that it doesn't have to be a huge shift. Like you just decided to go to bed. You know, I think sometimes when we think about making these changes, that it has to be these really big changes. But sometimes it can just be something as simple as like, I'm just going to go to bed now. I go to bed early.
1: I think the shift for me, and Amin and Jennifer tell me your perspective on this, but if I focus on the person I'm frustrated with or angry with, it increases. If I'm trying to change their behavior, it increases. If I just turn my attention back towards my behavior, and for me that's going into meditation and things like that, then everything decreases.
2: I would agree, because it puts the accountability back on you. Regardless mm-hmm. of how Jamisa's going to respond to you, you are responsible for yourself and your emotions.
1: And everyone around this table knows how unreasonable Jamisa can be?
2: Uh, I don't think so.
3: Only you know that, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, So let's move towards the emotions that we all struggle the most with because those are tend to be the most difficult ones to steer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, these gentler emotions are, well, for some people it's going to be anger and they're going to struggle every time they're going to get into this kind of addictive behavior where they go right and start yelling and screaming and doing all that kind of stuff. So I mean with anxiety, what are the actions and the thoughts that help you steer it in a direction that's more comfortable for you?
0: So that's one that I currently still struggle with managing. Uh, like I know, or I've started communicating more about it. Like I'm feeling very anxious. That takes some of it away. Cause I'm like, okay, now I can be quiet and they're not gonna be worried about me or whatever the case might be. Uh, so like at home when I, when I feel the anxiety, I feel like I can't breathe. Right. So I, am not inclined to talk. So, uh, I'll get really quiet. And as you guys know, with the people I'm close with, I'm not very quiet very often. And so the people around me, uh, probably think something's up. And so I've built this awareness that, all right, if I'm feeling all this anxiety, it's probably very awkward right now. And so let me just communicate, hey, I feel very anxious. I need five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. And I'll remove myself from the situation. What about you with shame, Jennifer?
2: I don't know because that is a tape that has played in my life for a really long time. And it's almost like my go-to background music. If I'm feeling any kind of emotion, it, it Circles around back to shame. And so at least for me I start to recognize that and then I'm um, working through that's unrealistic, that's not true. Um, but I think for so long I didn't even recognize it and I would just spiral into it versus being able to at least put a stop to it and say that that's not reasonable.
1: So let's back up a little bit because uh, I think that's interesting when you say for a long time I wouldn't recognize it and I think a lot of people this is where they move into denial. Right? And so it's how do I get rid of this feeling? And when we're doing a kind of experience, you really have to lean in and identify, I'm feeling this, this is what it feels like, which is typically the opposite sensation. Um, So that's why people use like alcohol, spending, sex, whatever it is, to forget about what they're feeling. And so I don't know the experience that you all have had with that, but I know for me, when I turned like, I think I was like 14 or 15 and first found alcohol. I was like, this is amazing. I don't feel any anxiety. And so that became a, a, a behavior I would often use when feeling strong anxiety, which is kind of like every day anyway, was this idea of I don't want to feel it. And I think as I've gotten older, it's been the opposite. Like, I need to embrace this feeling so that I can guide it carefully. You have to, like, befriend the emotion, and that's scary. Does that make sense to me?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I
0: don't understand it. But I, I want to. <laughs> do you want to
1: explain that a bit more, Jamisa? Because I
0: you...
3: think you almost like when you experience it. Instead of, especially with anxiety, and I don't know if um, if you've ever. The best way I can describe it, um, probably when I was around your age and I would experience high levels of anxiety. Like I feel like I wanted, if I could peel out of my skin and just run screaming, I would do that. Like, and so I think it's being able to like almost sit with that for a little bit versus trying to find ways to avoid it. So being very present with that emotion um, and just like, uh, like just identifying how it feels in your body um, and then go and doing something um, that would, in a healthy way that would help you manage it. Mm -hmm. But I think the first thing is just being able to sit and recognize it. And maybe even identifying is that that was the best way that I Mm -hmm. could like was able to explain it when I was younger is like, that is how I felt. Um, and, and that was probably one of the hardest things, but I would tell my friends, like, I feel like I'm having a lot of anxiety right now and this is how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps. Yeah. But every time you feel it, like being able to just like, think about like, where am I feeling in my body? How is it making me feel?
1: So I mean, you've never used alcohol. Mm-mm. What were some of the kind of harmful coping skills you would use to try to
0: block the emotion out? Harmful? Uh, I don't know. I think they may not appear harmful. Yeah, It might have bled into other emotions. Like maybe I was more irritable. Uh, But yeah, what I really like to do is almost the opposite of what you just said, Jamisa. Like I want to, in my head, go to some cave in the dark, absolute darkness and just sit in darkness. Mm -hmm. And I'll even go to like my room and turn everything off and be like, please don't come in, (laughs) you know, and just sit with that. And, yeah, so I, I tend to really isolate, I think. I don't Is that where that's...
1: the caveman pictures came from?
0: No, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's it's interesting an interesting tie-in. Yeah. What about video games? Yeah, I don't know if I'm... I mm. When I feel a lot of anxiety, I don't feel like I can play video games.
1: Do you think you use video games to
0: manage other emotions? Probably, yeah, uh, when I feel like my mind's racing. So, yeah, maybe that's a different type of anxious feeling or excitement. I don't know. Yeah, I honestly, I'm not very emotionally intelligent, I don't think, so working on it. I don't know what what emotion drives me to video games.
3: But what's interesting, I mean, um, when you and I do groups together, um, I think you're very good at identifying other people's emotions. Like, you're able to recognize and, like, able to bring and maybe to surface how, like, what someone else, if they're having difficulty explaining how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you do a good job with that. Huh.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, because I can't do that at all with myself. <laughs>
1: Did this podcast just take on a supportive turn?
0: Yeah, <laughs> look at us. What does that feel like? <laughs> oh,
3: my gosh.
1: <laughs> what about excitement? Do people around the table enjoy excitement? Because it's not one I enjoy.
3: It's similar. Um, not quite the same, though, as how my body feels when I experience anxiety.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. hmm I don't like excitement because it feels like I know I'm going to crash at some point. Mm. Like, my favorite emotion is peace.
3: Mm -hmm. I would agree with that.
1: And I see excitement very similar to anger. Mm -hmm. Like it's very high energy emotion that crashes. Jennifer, you look quizzical. I'm being a social detective and using all your body language to try to...
2: No, I, I just think it's so curious. Um... I just didn't grow up with this language and so a lot of what I'm doing right now is trying to learn that so that I can give that to my kids and to my relationships to be able to express these feelings and emotions in a way that doesn't turn into, um, I don't know, blaming someone else um, or them becoming defensive. I think that's something that I've had to work really hard on to be able to say this is the way I feel. And it may or may not be anybody's fault. It's just the way that my body's reacting to this situation. So,
1: so, like if I were to say to you, hey, you look angry, your first response would be kind of a defensive one?
2: Probably. Although I, it may not be defensive when I say, yeah, I am.
1: Jimmy, so you like it when people point out what you're feeling? No. What do you think they
3: it, challenges it, it, the... just, it is incredibly annoying because you'll do that exceedingly well. No, nah. and it, well, it may be, but I think just because of my stubborn nature, I'll just be like yeah, it's not true. Yeah, there's always the
1: classic. Are you okay? I'm fine.
3: But would that be code for what? I don't know. Like if I say I'm fine, like I just need to be left alone. You know what would be really helpful if you said I need to
2: be left alone <laughs> Ben does a lot with me I'll be like sure he's like either yes or no yeah I say Just, that all the time yeah and I think fine is that answer of mm-hmm. no I'm really not but I don't want to talk about it yeah. right now
1: my son made me so proud the other day because I um, he asked me a question and I said sure and he's like is that yes or is that no that's awesome <laughs> I felt like my legacy finally oh my gosh finally happening what a legacy <laughs> But that's one of those things to be mindful of, right, is the same with body language. Um, certain people don't do well with ambiguous communication. Mm-hmm. So if you're communicating with Shores and I'm Fines and body language and you're used to people around you recognizing that, and there's going to be certain members of our community who aren't going to understand what you mean. And that's why I'm always pushing people to kind of use words more, both with yourself and with other people, because I find it very helpful. Right. Um, so... If you're able to use your thoughts and your actions, do you feel you can steer emotions in the direction you'd like them to go? Like, what's been your success rate with this? Are there certain emotions that just hijack you and make it next to impossible to do?
3: I think with anxiety, um, and maybe because I've dealt with this probably most of my life, um, or at least from 20 up until now and probably forever, Um, I think I figured, especially maybe over the last few years, being able to recognize that I am experiencing anxiety and especially at home, like feeling and I will say I'm getting overstimulated and something has to change. So either I need to remove myself from an environment, from a room or whatever, or I will then ask people around me to help me out. So can you please turn off the TV or can we turn the radio down um, because it's causing my anxiety to to spike?
1: And this brings up this idea right, that certain emotions, if you change a very small action, Mm -hmm. have a miraculous impact.
3: Well, that's what I was saying. Like when we start talking about the front two tires, it doesn't have to be huge. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it may just be, can you please turn the television off for 30 minutes or can you guys, you know, if your kids say, can you go upstairs and play? Like hangry,
1: right? You you give them a Snickers and. Mm -hmm. You're like that with, like, a sense stimulation. hmm If you come home and you're feeling stressed and there's music on or something, you need to play yeah, for a while.
3: Yeah, something needs to change.
1: That's your Snickers bar.
3: hmm But then there are other levels of anxiety that I may experience um, where something else needs to happen that's a bit more than than that. And I think it's just being able to recognize like where we are in those levels. Like, is this kind of like, I've just had a long day at work and I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed and I just need to have that one small thing change or is it a bigger, like heavier sense of anxiety where I may need to go take a walk or I may need to go work out?
1: I think one of the things I find too is if you can put language to emotions, you can feel them more strongly, but be less affected by them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does everyone agree with that?
0: Yeah. I noticed that in my own life, just communicating it more like, hey, I'm really stressed right now. Immediately, something changes in me. And it's not like the stress goes away completely, but it's like, oh, okay, I've dropped some of it. Because part of my stress was, I don't want to talk about it. And so, okay, that part's gone. But mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah.
1: Like your dog, do you have an issue with being on the carpet when you get stressed?
0: No, I just feel bad. I'm like, oh, man, that poor thing's scared. I don't know. There's no reason to get upset about it. That
3: drives my, that would cause my anxiety to probably go to a 10. Mm -hmm. Like it would set me off. The whole house would be scrubbed. Like everyone Mm -hmm. would be helping me because that would just send me to a 10. Like where Ben would just be like, you need to leave. mm -hmm.
0: I think I was like that until I, like I look back at her and she has no idea what's going on. And I was like, okay, so I have to clean anyway. Might as well just let me put you away for a second. Let me clean up. And that night, everyone could just be on the floor, right? If you're going to clean it all anyway. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Like, my puppy can't help it. Small dog, not puppy. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) If Chrissy did that, I don't know if I'd be so forgiving. (laughs) So let's
1: shift the emotional focus a little bit. And I think a lot of people hearing this are going to think this is incredibly sad. And I don't mean it in a sad way at all. But, like, until I could put words to the feeling of love... Like, I don't know if I felt it very strongly at all. And we talked about this in meditation, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when we did loving-kindness practices and stuff, I didn't know what people were feeling. And then through this process of, like, having children, um, everyone around this table I feel incredibly close to, and, like, building on those relationships, like, now I can feel love very physically. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until, like, I developed language for it almost. And almost, like... Like I talk about our son, or when he pats you on the back and things like that, when he hugs you. Like there's nothing that represents love almost more to me. Or like how our daughter will just kind of lean in when you cuddle her. Mm -hmm. Um, And that helps me feel appreciated and feel cared for by everyone around this table too. So it's interesting like how more experience with the emotion tends to grow it and grow your sensitivity to it. So like... I feel incredibly cared for by Jennifer in the conversations we have, but I wonder if I'd met her 10, 15 years ago, if I would feel cared for if I would have just found her interesting. And there's that difference between the two.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then if we're raised up in angry environments, we're very familiar with that. If we're raised up in anxious environments, we're very familiar with that. And so I really try hard to kind of pass that on to our children of just really helping them experience and verbalize and talk about the feeling of connection. Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah, uh, this is kind of a tangent. I saw an interesting documentary a few years ago that was like talking about how language is developed, and like, uh, like Arabic has a ton of words for sand and desert and stuff like that because that's the environment we lived in, so we're very good at describing it too, but we have one word for snow. Mm-hmm. right and then other uh, like the Inuit communities have mm-hmm. tons
1: of words for snow
0: exactly and so I found that so interesting because it's literally the flip side of what you're talking about now and so I think the more we experience oh. something the more we could describe it the more incredibly describe deep it. yeah
1: so Thank like you. in the old days I had one word for love mm-hmm. because I lived in the desert
0: <laughs> yeah potentially
1: <laughs> I'm gonna try not to cry right now mm-hmm. and now I'm living in a uh, in an ice field snow wonderland huh? I hope so. <laughs> it's a nice way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. So, one of the ways we can, one of the actions we can use to guide emotions once we kind of get them under control, because sometimes the action has to be like taking medication, right? Sometimes because mm-hmm. the, the emotion's so overwhelming. But if the emotion starts to slow down to a point where we can sit with it, we, we can explore it, and we can learn, you know, a thousand different words to describe anxiety. And it's no longer anxiety we're just talking about the different shades of anxiety and things like that and um, i think it almost can become because when i look back at my life anxiety has been my biggest teacher mm-hmm. and it always slows me down it always helps me feel more connected to people it almost always helps me appreciate all those who care about me and are worried when i'm anxious and so it, anxiety has so many gifts but i think it's hard to see that when you're suffering what about shame what are the gifts of shame
2: Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure.
1: Just stress, headaches. Stress. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there are any. I know it's a very toxic and, emotion, and maybe
2: it's not similar to anxiety. I mean, maybe the shame is a secondary emotion to what I'm feeling. Because um, I, I think I can identify anxiety in my life that I've had for years now. But maybe that's that is how I react to it is through a lens of shame. Um. I know that even this week, as I've been stressed with a lot that's gone on in my personal life, that I feel that shame very strongly. It has nothing to do with, I don't think it's a primary emotion for me. It's just that immediate tape that plays when I'm feeling a high level of emotion. And whether it's a high level of sadness or frustration or anxiety, um, that that tends to be what is played in my head.
1: But if Jamie said, mean, and I to share with you how much we cared about you what would come up would you just not believe it
2: um i think i could dismiss it easily mm-hmm. um in my head even if i said that to you I'll be like oh, that's really kind but then i'd be like well they don't know they don't know
1: who yeah. I yeah really mm-hmm. and
2: and man if they knew what i thought about mm-hmm. some of the people in my life this week they'd be mm-hmm. so disappointed in me and gosh can you not get it together and and feel this way towards people are, you know, you should have been more compassionate. So I think there's a lot of judgment that comes upon me, even when people who I care for are telling me those messages.
1: That must be incredibly difficult.
2: I think we all have incredibly difficult things that we walk through. Wasn't mm-hmm. quite
1: what I said though. I, I understand. <laughs> okay.
3: But I mean, I don't,
2: I don't, I think we all
3: have stuff. Because I think when you're in the moment of it, right, you don't feel that it's very difficult. Mm -mm. It's kind of like this is just what you do. Yeah.
1: But these different emotional paths we walk are very difficult, Mm -hmm. which is why we take on kind of self-destructive behaviors and things like that just to ease it some. Yeah.
3: Someone was um, telling me today or this week about um, they're in the midst of dealing with depression. And we were talking about, you know, they had been, I think, initially at the point of, like, needing to get rid of this. And, you know, we were talking today about, like, needing to accept that. Mm-hmm. So how do we accept depression? And when talking about it, they're like, you know, I've realized that I've needed to slow down. And there are days that I need to... um I don't need to be busy and I need to be able to like give myself rest. You know, and there's like, instead of looking at it from the the sense of like, I'm depressed and something's wrong with me. Like this may be a day that, you know, I need to once you know, everyone is settled at my house. I just need to go get in the bed. And if that's at eight o'clock, then that's okay. Um, So when you were talking about anxiety, I mean, and how um, it's taught you so much, I think for them is teaching them that they need to be able to care for themselves. And so in the midst of, all that happens um, with depression, they're also learning that they need to learn. They they are learning and developing self care.
1: What are your goals with these emotions that cause your trouble? Is it to get rid of it?
3: No, I did cannot it, get rid of anxiety. Did I it tried. It used to be your goal. It did. When I was in my twenties, I was like, "It's gonna happen. Like, I am gonna. <laughs> get re- I'm gonna beat anxiety." And it hadn't happened.
1: And that's such that's such <laughs> our cultural language, right? Like we're always like we're going to beat things, yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Versus I'm going to learn how to live with this skillfully.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, notice AIDS has really decreased in the harm it creates in communities um, because we've developed medication so people can live with it skillfully. Mm-hmm. Same things happening with cancer.
3: But I will tell you this about um, I guess. Whole kind of full disclosure today is that when I was in college, I struggled for like what three and a half years. I want to say with depression, and uh, but that is one of those that particular emotion. Um, I will try to be that mm-hmm. over anxiety. Like if I ever when I feel and we talked about this during COVID, I was telling you that I felt. Um, In the middle of uh, COVID And I was starting to feel depression And I was like Oh no Like I can have anxiety I can deal with that But like The thought of depression Creeping back up in my life I'm like I I would do whatever I can To avoid that
1: So we've talked about How to manage the emotion itself But I think sometimes too You can manage difficult emotions By fostering other emotions So like If I'm feeling anxious And I focus on how people Are caring for me When I'm anxious So at home, you're always very caring. The kids are very caring. If I come to work, Jennifer and Amin are very caring. Like Focusing on that and feeling that connection and focusing on the physical sensations of that connection actually displace the anxiety too hmm. or create more room for the anxiety or create more spaciousness. So how do each of you practice like the feeling of love or the feeling of connection so that it does take up more space in your life? Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How, like, Do you intentionally practice it?
2: I think I intentionally practice it by allowing a small group of people to process those things with me and to know where I'm struggling, where, but it's a very small group. Um,
1: is there anyone in it?
2: Is anyone in it? Yes, people are in it.
1: I mean, what about for you? How do you practice intentionally feeling loved?
0: Um, Just spending time with my loved ones, I guess, and talking to them very often and letting them know. Because I think that was something that was missing from my growing up is, I mean, I guess they're supposed to love me, but I don't hear this stuff all the time. So I very often tell the people around me how much I care for them and uh, their value in my life. And a lot of the times it's reciprocating. It feels pretty cool.
1: So while you weren't taught that, though, you were taught to wash bananas.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Which feels equally important.
1: Jennifer, you give me a look like I said the wrong thing at the wrong time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just, I think it's really interesting as we continue to grow as humans, the things that were passed down to us that were helpful and then those that were harmful, and examining those and being able to hold those up to the light and say...
1: Which category does washing bananas (laughs) fall into?
2: I don't know. I mean, maybe the jury's still out on this. And maybe that was a real time of connection for me and his mother.
1: They stood by the sink. Yeah. Gently caressing. Being told which spot I missed. <laughs> 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 Never mind. Or maybe not. Yeah. Jamisa, how do you practice intentionally feeling loved?
3: I do spending time with um, family and the people that I'm close with.
1: Are those two different groups? No. it's nice. <laughs> so... If perhaps people listening could feel free to write in, tell us which emotions you struggle with, tell us what advice we missed this week in managing difficult emotions. Um, obviously, we're just a very limited group of people with our own emotional ranges. So, what emotions did we not talk about that create challenges for you? Amin, how can people connect with us?
0: They can visit our very uh, handy dandy Instagram page, Three Trees Change, or our website, ThreeTreesCenterForChange.com.
1: And if you want smaller sound bites, because uh, these episodes are a bit long, um, you can go to YouTube for five-minute videos or check out the blog posts. It's all very similar topics, just done in different formats. And those are normally like three-minute reads. So thanks for joining us. And we look forward to meeting with you next week when Ben and Jennifer will actually be gone. Oh, I mean, we are
3: taken over. And mean
1: yeah. and guest host Amber, I believe. So try not to take down the show while we're gone please
2: (laughs) we may not be invited back
1: (laughs) (laughs) i know it may just take off (laughs) have a great week
3: everyone bye bye